So, Father Bryce, uh, you know, I know it's kind of lame. People try to do better and healthier things. And they use the new year as an impetus for that. So, and, you know, and, and and some people even recommend like, maybe you should wait till spring to try that. Um, I've heard that thing, like wait till March. Oh, cause Uh, it's nicer outside and there won't be so much demotivating weather. Probably. And that may be part of it. Um, here it's been incredibly, um, the winter has been very dark. Mm. Um, but I heard from someone whose family is from Michigan that, where they lived in Michigan in the month of December, they had five minutes of daylight total, <laughs> which sounds really terrible. That's, that's, a, that's uh, a good amount. Five minutes. Yeah, what, five what, minutes. What, do you, what more do you need? Yeah. I don't know. Of daylight? And, and also the observation that, um, it's, it's kind of worse when there's not snow on the ground. Yes. I definitely agree with that. Snow on the ground besides just kind of giving you potentially something fun to do, yeah. um, in different ways. It, the, it reflects some of the light even if it's cloudy yeah and it makes it brighter outside Very which much just so. for whatever reason lifts your mood mm-hmm. and uh but part of part of trying to do better things you know for me perennial is you know always related to diet and trying to eat more vegetables mm. also but, not easy to do in winter yeah i was about to say but in winter like you know you can't find a whole lot of great for i mean you can but it's a little harder um, lots of beets yeah that's root, root vegetables yeah that just no i can't no. Mm-mm. you don't that's, th- that's you, a little painful you don't want to eat those vegetables <laughs> not the ones that hurt me <laughs> not the ones that oh. cause me pain and suffering gotcha. that's not so, the point so the i think that will also leafies. demotivate that will also yeah. demotivate uh you can you my can goals eat, you can eat beet greens i suppose so could boil them and yeah put some Lathi and limoni and salt on them or something yeah. like that so but yeah. pretty soon we're all going to be eating a lot more vegetables yes um it won't be it's, long and it's coming yeah we'll be doing the the lenten fast at some point pretty soon so we're all going to be eating a whole lot more vegetables so it'll be a little maybe that's well, another reason to start in march yeah those those who don't just become carbitarians that's really not good for you no but it, especially I mean, if they're refined they carbohydrates then you're yeah then you're just yeah you're just wrecking your blood sugar and I'm just gonna eat bread and potatoes causing all kinds of things but you know um one of my favorite quotes that i share all the time from one of the saints of the church saint sarah from a seraph hmm. your fr- your body is your friend like don't don't abuse your friend you yeah. know because when you abuse your friends they what do they do yeah they're kind of they don't want to be your friends be your friend anymore, anymore. You don't want your body to not want to be your friend anymore. That's no, that's, you do not. Even, even, you know, even if sometimes people have warped ideas about the spiritual life, like, well, mm. you know, the body, it's bad. The spirit is right. good. And it's like, you that's push that like too far. Like the perennial heresy. Well, and it's, it's, it's very much around even in our day. I think it's mm-hmm. probably always around in some, and our faith is very incarnational. Yes. And, uh, you know, so, uh, we are body and soul and, uh, we also we have to take care of both. Yeah, and God made both and called them both good. Mm-hmm. And when when uh, the one gets overly tired because you didn't rest the night before because you didn't eat enough vegetables the day yeah. before, you can always have coffee. You can always have coffee, and what better kind of coffee than church coffee, <laughs> which you're listening to right now, the Church Coffee Pod. We got to get better the theolo- at that. 
what that's that was a great transition that was that was like yeah primo like people are going to be signing up for podcast classes with us because of that transition that that we now interrupted but you are listening to church coffee pod where the transitions and the theology are never watered down and the conversation keeps flowing amen i'm father bryce i'm father gregory I always forget the intro part. That yeah. maybe people won't take classes from us. Probably not. Probably not. No. No. Yeah. So uh, we this week we are uh, this month. I always, I guess I'm just this in my day. head. Podcasts have weekly rotations, oh, right. but ours is monthly. And I, well, I, maybe that's a premonition or something. Like, oh, uh, we're going to weekly. <laughs> we're going to weekly. We'll have to hire All some right. people. <laughs> Watch out, everybody! It's a threat. <laughs> oh. Listen, or we go weekly. This month, we're talking about saints. And uh, we had some some really, I think, excellent questions. Some questions that uh, probably a lot of our listeners have. And uh, we even had a, a follow-up question to last month's podcast on the Divine Liturgy. And I think it will bring us into this month's topic really nicely Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so the, the question following up from last month, uh, one of our listeners says we referred to the divine liturgy as one of the ways that mm-hmm. we encounter Christ. Mm-hmm. And so they asked a, a two part question. What are other ways in which we can encounter Christ mm-hmm. and how do I make Christ more central in my life so that I can feel and return his love. Yeah. I, I mean, we could even begin talking about the saints with this question because yeah. the saints are great examples of of those very things. Um, That's kind of what makes them saints. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they are, they are living in communion with Christ. They develop a very deep communion with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what are the other ways that we encounter Christ? I mean, just simply, you know, daily prayer. Yeah. Uh, a habit of prayer outside of um, liturgy, but including liturgy, obviously, but even outside. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people are not going to liturgy every day um, or even yeah. every other day or even sometimes more than once a week and mm-hmm. sometimes even less than that. Yeah. Um, and so, um, but everyone has the opportunity to pray every day. Yeah. And prayer is a, a form of communion with Christ, um, uh, communion with God, uh, communion with the Holy Trinity. Um, and so that's definitely another way that we encounter Christ and, and, you know, kind of, and we can talk about other ways too, but kind of talking about that in the light of also the second part of that question, you know, more central in my life so they can feel and return his love. You know, the one, one thing I would just like to say too, is that, um, when you're starting a new habit, like a habit of prayer or Mm -hmm. like eating more vegetables, um, (laughs) you, you may not feel, uh, a lot different uh, when you kind of start that new habit. You may not notice the benefits, so to speak, of doing something like that early on. Um, So the feelings kind of come with time Mm -hmm. um, and the experience might come with time. Um, But I remember the saints talking about how even experience can be pulled away. Like sometimes in the spiritual life we're given uh, to call them rewards, you know, graces sure early on to encourage us 
Mm -hmm. Um, but then we continue, we continue showing up and doing those things like prayer Mm -hmm. simply because we love God. Whether or not we're having that, not that experience of grace, not seeking a reward. Right. So like, I think St. Basil, I think your patron saint, he he talks about this where there's kind of three kind of levels for why people do things. And one is the fear of hell or the fear Mm -hmm. of punishment. Right. Uh, which he says isn't, isn't entirely bad. It's the lowest kind of level, or I don't even know if he uses the term lowest, but you know, it's, it's the first, you know, and, and then the second, which is higher than that in some sense is, uh, seeking a reward, right? So seeking the reward of heaven. Right. Uh, so someone might give, for example, someone might give uh, alms to the poor because they don't want to be judged for not doing so. And that might sure. be a, right. a motivating factor. That's the, that, that first motivation. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, someone might do it because they've heard of the promises of Christ in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. And so they give because they're seeking a reward. They're seeking a heavenly reward. Um, right. And again, nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah. But then the third reason, uh, and the highest reason I think St. Basil says, is simply because they, they love God and yeah. they love their neighbor. And so simply out of love. Yeah. They get to the point where they give those alms. Well, that same person might have to give alms for a while before they kind of get to that point. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's kind of the picture that St. Basil paints is that usually for most people, there's a growth and a progression from, you know, people might start from fear or from a desire for reward. But the, very rarely do we start out just out of sheer love mm-hmm. for, for God. Mm-hmm. Um, or sheer, or even sheer love for for our neighbor, but we can't wait to kind of bring mm-hmm. it back to this question. We don't wait until we think that we feel like we love God, whatever that might mean, whatever our experience that we're expecting mm-hmm. uh, that to be would would happen. We we act, we do, mm-hmm. we do the things that we know are are acts of love for God. Mm-hmm. And then we encounter him, uh, and, and sometimes the experience might be encountering him and, and realizing kind of later, you know, it uh, yeah. rem- reminds me of a story of someone who thinks he might have met Elder Paisios, St. Paisios in the Holy <laughs> Mountain. Before there were pictures of him, people really uh-huh. knew what he looked like. Uh-huh. He had, it was many, <laughs> many years ago, and but there was kind of a, a sort of a miraculous thing that happened on account of that encounter, mm. which then led him to realize, oh, did did I actually meet the saint? Uh-huh. You know, did I actually meet the, the holy man kind of thing? Um, yeah. and, and we see that in the Gospels with the resurrection Gospels. Yeah, yeah. Where people didn't realize that they were talking to her and had encountered the risen Christ until just kind of at the very end or immediately after. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Mary Magdalene thinks she's talking to the gardener. Right. Uh, Luke and Cleopas think they're talking to just some random guy. Right. Um, so anyway. So, I mean... And and I think we can kind of almost leave it at prayer because really the things that we might also bring up, mm-hmm. uh, scripture, stillness, even mm-hmm. fasting, I think all of these things now we could put under that umbrella of prayer to read scripture as prayer, right? to sit in stillness as prayer. Well, to have that um, understanding, right? So how you approach these things matter. You can read scripture... Yeah. In a very analytical way, you're going to parse it, you're going to pull it apart, you're going to you're going to judge it, right? But right. but scripture judges us. Yeah. Um, not the other way around. And then when we engage it in prayer, 
and prayerfully and as an encounter with God, as an mm-hmm. encounter with Christ in the scriptures, um, then it's, it's uh, much more, it, it becomes just that, it becomes an encounter. Right, right. Rather, rather than something to dissect and learn information about God, it becomes a means by which we encounter God. Right. And I do think, you know, almsgiving or doing mercy because we encounter yeah. Christ and others. Yeah. As um, St. John Chrysostom says in many different places and, yeah. and, and a whole slew of those, the early fathers of the church. Yeah. St. Basil as well. I mean, you know, and because, and they're, they're kind of right. They're taking from Matthew 25 and as much as you did, it's one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Yeah. Uh, so seeing, you know, seeing everyone as the icon of Christ, or especially those who are who are in struggling, who are in need, um, and and you know who we can serve. Mm-hmm. Um, when we serve them, we serve Christ, and we have an encounter with Christ. And mm-hmm. so going back to Saint Seraphim, I think it's a wonderful teaching. His a conversation with, I think uh, Movita Lof was the gentleman's name on acquiring mm-hmm. the the Holy Spirit. Um, uh-huh. and the yeah. meaning of the Christian life. I mean, it's readily available. I'm sure we could probably find it on the internet. Um, you know, part of that is he says, and not everyone is the same. Uh, you have mm-hmm. to figure out um, kind of what works more for you. And I, you know, I hate to put that in a utilitarian way, but, sure. you know, for some person, for some, it's it's spending a lot more time in, in private prayer, in, in contemplation. Yeah. And it might be less time doing those other things. For other people, it might be a lot more time in service. Yeah. And maybe not as much time uh, in private prayer. Uh, yeah. It's going to be different for different people and different people, different practices, different acts, activities will help different people acquire the Holy Spirit in, yes. in different ways. Um, and so anyways, I just encourage people to go read that that for themselves. Um and uh, because we'll, I think we'll it's try very to find a, a link and throw it in the description of the podcast, or, or at least where to order a copy or something. Sure. So, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a a really great uh, yet another connection to the, to this topic of of sainthood mm-hmm. because there isn't just one kind of saint, mm-hmm. you know, not and and because there isn't just one kind of human. Right, we all have different interests and and abilities and strengths and weaknesses, and and so we, you know, I'm not going to encounter Christ in the way that Saint Basil does. I can't have Saint Basil's relationship to Christ. Uh, you know, kind of more currently, it's it's very popular to talk about. You have to make your faith your own. You can't have your parents' faith, right? I can't have, but I can't have anybody's faith except for my own. I mm-hmm. have to, I have to do I have to have that relationship, which doesn't uh, mean I did it my way. <laughs> right. No, it's not, it's not Frank Sinatra. No, 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 not at all. And, and, you know, it's, so it's not about creating your own faith. No. And, it, or, and of course, most of us really, uh, not most of us, it's, it's very important to have a guide in yes. this process. Well, and we have the tradition, we have, we have a guide, we have what we, you know, we receive the deposit. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so those are really important realities in that. So right, yeah. All, all I'm saying is I can't look at Saint Basil and go, my, my relationship with Christ, my my encounter of Christ should look just like that. Yeah, there was this cliche saying I used to hear in Texas, which I think kind of captures this too, is that God doesn't have grandchildren; He just has children. Mm. 
uh, you know, kind of like you, you can't have faith through your parents in that way. Like, sure. why do you know, why do I go to church? Oh, because, you know, it's just the church my parents go to. So I go right. at some yep. point, you know, it needs to be like I go uh, and, and you, you know, I go because of Christ. I go to encounter Christ. I go to I encounter God and I receive God and so on. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of along that same line, let's uh, I think we can transition into one of these other questions. Uh, we see all these different kinds of saints. We see, you know, the fathers of the church, the apostles, the the desert fathers and mothers, uh, martyrs. And what is it? What is the common thread here? What makes somebody a saint? Hmm. I put it simply, they love God. Hmm. There um. we go. Podcast done, everybody. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you think of all of those people, but also they they also were faithful. Yeah. So out of that love came a faithfulness. Yeah. Um, I remember the story too of Saint Nikiforos, and um, where you know he was an early martyr, and there was a priest. I think his name was Sapricius, something like this, and it was in like around Sicily. And the, um, there was a persecution and, and the clergy were going to be executed after so many days if they didn't recant mm. their faith. And, um, and then Nikiforos had done something, uh, we're not really told what, and he kept going to Sapricio seeking his forgiveness, uh-huh. um, especially before yeah. his martyrdom, his coming martyrdom. And, and, but as the story goes, Sapricius wouldn't forgive him. Uh, he refused yeah. to forgive him. So he refused basically to be faithful to God in that way. And when it came time for the actual martyrdom, at the last minute, Sapricius uh, re- recanted his faith. Oh, wow. He, he denied Christ. Uh, and um, Enikiforos, horrified, put his head down in his place and declared, I am a Christian. Um, wow. And, and he, so Saint, Nik- Saint Nikiforos becomes the martyr. Sapricius yeah. doesn't and becomes an apostate. Um, and, and kind of, I think one of the, the lessons from that is that he wasn't faithful in what some people might consider a smaller thing, sure, which right. was practicing forgiveness, which is no small thing. Um, but he, so, but because of that, he wasn't able to be faithful in a much bigger thing, yeah. which was to die for Christ. Yeah. Because he wasn't dying to himself before then, you know, um, in his refusal to forgive whatever, whatever Nikiforos had done. Yeah. So the name Nikiforos, right? The, the victory bearer, mm-hmm. you know, the one who carries victory. Um, and so he was victorious in his constant seeking the forgiveness of Sapricius and then yeah. was able to lay down his life as a martyr for Christ. Um, so, so that's, you know, when I kind of talk about faithfulness, um, the saints were faithful. They, they loved God. They loved Christ. They were faithful. Mm-hmm. Um, and they strove to follow them in their lives. Um, doesn't mean the saints were perfect. No. By any means. No. I think Absolutely. that's, Im- I think it's important to realize, you know, uh, like it says in the epistle of St. James, where it talks about how the prophet Elijah prayed and the, the heavens like closed up and they didn't rain and he prayed and they, and they rained. But the epistle makes the point that he's a man of like nature with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's, he's human just like the rest of us. And yet, being a righteous man, God did these amazing things through him. So the prayer of a righteous man avails much, Yeah, uh, as St. James puts it. And so 
So we also recognize as part of the uh, of the communion of saints the righteous from the Old Testament too in the Orthodox Church. Right. Yeah. Right, because I mean, saint or or agios in the Greek, mm-hmm. both. I mean, it it just means holy, right? Saint comes from the Latin sanctus for holiness. Agios just it, it is the word holy, right? I mean, a literal translation of the icons that say you know agios Vasilios, we we translate it as Saint Basil, but a literal translation would just say holy basil, not the plant. Uh, right, but, obviously. You know. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and so, so you have kadosh, right? Isn't that the word from Hebrew? Yes. Yep. I, I, think. I, I think that's right. Not being a Hebrew scholar, hopefully yeah. uh, we yes. have mercy. We anybody may, who uh, knows may that have mispronounced wrong. that or said it slightly wrong, but and it has the idea of being consecrated to God. Right. Set apart. So a, yeah. So a space is, can be holy. Yeah. in that sense, right? So our sanctuaries, our churches are holy because they're consecrated, they're dedicated, and they're set apart uh, for the service of God. Right. Uh, so things are also consecrated and holy. Um, yes. Relics are holy. They're the, all, so all Christian remains are called relics, lipsana. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some are ayya lipsana, you know, the holy relics, the holy remains, yeah. sanctified by the grace of the Holy Spirit as a sign of the resurrection and the new life to come. Yeah. And yeah, some and I, of the saints are incorrupt. Their bodies don't corrupt in the same way as a sign of the resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, along with that idea of, of being set apart, mm-hmm. remembering that we are in fact, all set apart. Uh, we are set apart by, by God's will. And, and then, you know, it's, it's kind of this, uh, co- cooperation. Paul tells us to set ourselves apart, and he also reminds us that we have been set apart. Yep, be and, separate, and, right? Right, and so we are. That this is not a, a a hard. There's not like a hard divide, right? Right. There are the saints, and then there's just us normal Christians. I think we're often tempted to these ideas of a of a distinction kind of throughout the church, right? Well, there's the saints and there's us, there's the monks and there's us, there's the clergy and the laity, but really we are all set apart and called to keep ourselves set apart, dedicated, I, consecrated to God. Yeah, I think that wording is even used in one of the epistles, called to be saints. Yeah, yeah, um, so this is this this is not a, oh, look, the saints, that's so nice. No, this is what we're all supposed to be. We are, I mean, and and Paul is constantly addressing the churches that he writes to as saints, Mm -hmm. every single person. He doesn't just mean the really good people in that community. He writes to, you know, whatever community he's writing to and says to the saints at Ephesus. But we also recognize a distinction, I guess, between those that we recognize as saints and, and others that we don't. Which brings us right into the next question is, who determines that distinction that yeah. that now you know hunt you know well, could be hundreds of years could be thousands of years could be 10 years right mm-hmm. later after this person has passed away who determines and what's that process look like for saying okay we have this elder porfirios mm-hmm. and 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 now he is saint porfirios how does that work well, I think, you know, from my understanding, it kind of works from the ground up in the church. Mm. People know someone to be a saint, uh, just to be holy, to be living the life, to be dedicated to God, 
to be faithful in that way. Um, again, doesn't mean they're flawless or perfect or infallible. They're not. Um, they're human. Um, but they are, you know, th- it's kind of known. Their holiness is known, and it's proclaimed. And it's usually proclaimed locally. It's proclaimed. Um, there are signs sometimes, not always, uh, but sometimes there are signs of their holiness, um, miracles that maybe God worked through them, uh, signs and wonders, or just deep spiritual gifts. Like some of these ascetical saints were clairvoyant. Um, and, uh, you know, so there's kind of these signs of their sanctity. And it's locally proclaimed. It's it's locally understood. And after the test of time, and, and I don't know if they do any kind of formal investigating or anything, but yeah. eventually there's kind of a proclamation that comes out from the highest levels of the church. So from for us, from the ecumenical patriarchate, there will be declarations. Like one of the most recent ones was Elder of Menios, was recognized, uh, was recognized as a saint of the church. And so then this announcement gets made, you know, these letters get sent, the feast day is declared. Mm-hmm. There's usually a hymnographer that will compile the service for the saint, the vespers, the orthros, the hymns. And we can commemorate them in the liturgy. We can pray. We can ask for their prayers, the intercessions. Now, some people, I think, we're doing that already, probably. Right. Um, And that's fine. Like you said, it's it's kind of this grassroots. er, uh, The earliest recognition is is those who knew this person. I remember someone who kept images of Paisios, uh, Porfirios, and uh, Sophronios, Mm -hmm. saying that you know eventually these will all be saints, and I think that's what's come to pass. Um, yeah. and, but that was years before, um, sure. but th- that person had an understanding of their sanctity of life and when people meet them and, and know them and have that understanding. Um, and so that's, it's just kind of, it's understood in that way. It's, it's talked about, obviously it's proclaimed and, and eventually becomes officially recognized, uh, by the church. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, as I understand it, the the Catholic Church has a very, you know, what you might expect, something very kind of spelled out, and here's mm-hmm. exactly how it works. And here I, are and the I, criteria. And... Yeah, yeah, and and I, I don't think it's quite as, I don't think we have quite as robust or, or spelled out of a process. Um, it might even look a little bit different mm-hmm. in different instances. So, mm-hmm. um, but it is, I mean, if it, especially a saint from a, a region distant from somewhere it's going to be some kind of patriarchal declaration mm-hmm. uh, that that we here in America would recognize somebody who was in Greece or in in you know Georgia or Ukraine or wherever right and, I mean and it's usually it's because the saint was a part of that local church body right, right. so the, you know the the ecumenical patriarchate will release statements about recognized saints of people who are a part in some way of the ecumenical patriarchate. Yeah. Um, or I guess of the church of Greece and, you know, cause it's, it's autocephalous, but it's connected. Right. Um, and then, um, but you know, Romania, same thing. It'll be the patriarch of Romania and the patriarchal synod of Romania that will release because, and also because they know them. I mean, they're, they were part of right. their communities, right? They were known in their communities. Same for Russia, you know, Ukraine, um, you know, Lebanon, Syria, uh, the churches of Antioch, you know, Jerusalem and, and so on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the, the last question is 
one of my favorite questions about saints it's but it's also i think one of the one of the more difficult questions about saints uh so we off we have these saints who engage in in some pretty extreme fasting very extreme ways of life you know the the stylites mm-hmm. of course immediately come to mind those who went and lived on top of a pillar um but you you hear about saints who you know just ate very very little and and even sometimes saints who engaged in these practices to the point of self-harm mm. right that their bodies wasted away or or you know they were injured or, or whatever it might and, be um and, and not so that that's, we... not that they were intending to do that or not that's why they were doing that sure sure right? but it was a result uh, of their extreme asceticism or something like that sure right so so how do we reconcile these these very extreme lives these lives that um you know we would certainly say well all are called to sainthood but clearly not all are called to go live on top of a pillar sure um so how do we engage these these extreme examples with just kind of gen, a general idea of the sanctity of life? Right, and you know, um, I'm reminded of a story of a of an ascetic who tried to live as a stylite in modern day France, oh. trying to copy the stylites of Syria, and had to come down because he almost froze to death. Um, <laughs> and I think his his fingernails froze off, and oh, his oh. beard was completely crusted, frozen when he came down, and. Just also showing that, you know, some forms of ascetical living and, and, and saintly aspirations you can't do in regions just because of geography and weather and yeah, yeah. things like that. You know, you, you have to approach it in a different way. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, say I just would go back and say, you know, um, saints aren't perfect. Um, and mm. I mean, their love, their devotion is there. Um, they were doing what they were doing because they loved God. I think that's also why it's important, you know, to emphasize again, just spiritual direction. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's why spiritual direction is important and to, you know, to, um, show some obedience in that regard, because it's also humility. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, we're not necessarily supposed to go imitate these things. I remember someone, I heard this story, uh, that someone had read, some of the lives of the desert fathers in Texas and they got all excited. They lived somewhere like in West or Southwest Texas and they tried to go kind of live this life and, and they got lost and they got in trouble. And I think they perished. Oh, no. um, it was a very tragic story. Yeah. Um, because you know, that's, it's not an easy thing to do to just go live out in the, you know, in the kind of deserty regions on your own, if, especially if you don't know what you're doing. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and of course the hermits often lived in, in a, cenobitic community right for a long time first and so um you know i think it's important to emphasize that people become saints within the life of the church mm-hmm. um yeah. and i think that it's important to emphasize you know that part of that life within within the life of the community of the church is spiritual direction and obedience and um you know, I think it's enough for us just to try to like fast, you know, just try to keep the fast right. of the church out of obedience, right. you know, because the church has developed these canons and these directions over time uh, out of out of her experience and her wisdom. Yeah, yeah. We also need to recognize that the, the church doesn't make somebody a saint or, or recognize somebody as, saint, as a saint uh, in order to set them up as an example for everybody to follow. 
I remember very early on in my time as an Orthodox Christian, a book had been recommended to me about a more recent saint, and and it was kind of a scandalous book. It, it revealed a lot of details about this person's life um, that that were kind of unsettling to especially to somebody newer in the faith uh and and i talked to my spiritual father about it and he said okay that person is a saint don't ever do anything they ever did <laughs> you know like and and that's and that's okay that works mm-hmm. um it, it we don't need to look at every saint and go i should be like that person well yeah because i mean and there could be a lot of egoism and pride and um you know, kind of misguidance in that. Um, one, you know, some people say the point of reading the lives of saints is to produce humility. That we read about these great ascetical feasts, and um, and and maybe we're spurred on to be to to work on ourselves a little bit more than where we are. Yeah. Um, not to fast exactly the way they fasted. Sure. Um, you and, know, and always remembering that the saints as you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, the saint's motive was never to destroy the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if somebody is, is a saint, then they, they recognize that this is God's creation. God has given me this body. This is a good thing. You know, um, th- these are, these things are not done in order to destroy the body. Right. Or, you know, even if it, they started off that way and then they, they kind of learned and they tempered themselves later. Um, right which because happens. again yeah because again they're human you know no one is perfect in that way you know outside of our lord and um and so it, it's it can be easy for people to make mistakes and yeah. the saints made mistakes i mean they repented yeah. they were they were models of repentance yeah uh, which means they needed to repent which means they had sin in their life um, right that we all struggle with and they all recognize that repentance was not a a once and done activity but the 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 primary activity of their entire life. Yeah, they led a life of repentance. I mean, there's the story of Abba Sisois, who is considered a, a really holy man, a great ascetic even in his life, and the, and the brothers kind of surrounded him at his point of death, and they were like, give us a word, Abba, you know? Uh-huh. And one of the words he gave was something like, I don't even know if I've begun. Mm. And to which they were kind of shocked, like, oh, if he's saying that, yeah, <laughs> you know, what's going to well, happen? I think- I think to clarify that too a little bit, we often think of repentance as this like negative thing, right? Sure. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, uh, just like something about how I'm so bad, and and a, just a recognition of that. But really, all I mean, it's it's to change mm-hmm. one's. I mean, we usually say to change one's mind, the mm-hmm. metano, the the noose, mm-hmm. uh, but it really is a deeper reality than that. It's to change one's entire being. Well, yeah. um, and, I, and I actually like the word convert in this sense, like conversion, yeah. because it's to turn towards, Sure, you know, it's yeah. to turn towards Christ, it's to turn towards God, which implies yeah. turning away from whatever is pulling you away from Christ and God, Sure, which is sin. Um, but it's not primarily about running away from sin because it's still right. going to be chasing you. You right. know, it's about turning towards God. There's that kind of neat icon image I've seen where St. Anthony is being like attacked in the desert uh-huh. by all these kind of demonic creatures and things. Yeah. And, but there's this little tiny icon of Christ in the corner of his cell that he's just gazing at lovingly while this is all kind of going on around him. Yep. 
And it's a reminder of something, uh, you know, you've shared that Elder Porfirio said about becoming yeah. a saint by looking to the light, looking to God, as right. opposed to, you know, trying to hate the darkness. I mean, it doesn't mean that, yeah, we should, you know, turn away from evil and, and you know, even have strong reactions against it internally. But that's not the end result. You know, it's not like sin management. It's right. Right. It's right. it's turning towards God. It's turning towards Christ. It's yeah. It's loving Him, um, and 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 yeah. by loving and we and we, again we we know we are loved by Him, even if we don't feel it. Right. Uh, he's always loving us, even if we don't feel it. Right. I mean that that was true for us often growing up in our households. <laughs> I mean, our hopefully you know parents were loving and yes. and uh, yes. Uh, we did not always experience their acts of love as some as something we recognized as yeah, love but they were yeah. um uh, you know at least i'll just speak for myself i mean i know that I, I grew up in a very loving home and my parents were always loving me even when i was being disciplined right um and so um uh, so so our experience in the spiritual life you know we don't always have a feeling yeah. uh we may not feel like we're we may not have a sense of experiencing god's love in that way but that doesn't mean he isn't loving us yeah, and in fact, many of the great saints even have that that uh, lack of feeling for many, many years, even on like deep on into their spiritual life. Right. After having experienced great spiritual highs, they they will go through uh, kind of a desert, a wilderness experience for many, many years. Yeah, and, Elder Sophroni talks about that. Yeah. And he talks about that as being part of it. Yeah. You, we all have to kind of go through that desert experience like the Israelites in the wilderness. Mm. Um, and that doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you got to change course or something. He's very clear in emphasizing that. In fact, you may be doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing at that time. That's just a, that's just a time you have to pass through. Sure, sure. And brings us again around to the point of the importance of a spiritual guide who mm -hmm. can kind of help you determine you know yeah you're doing you're you're on the right course mm -hmm. uh this is just part of the spiritual life versus uh well you're not praying and you're not fasting and you're not yeah you know, uh, it's it's very easy for us to kind of convince ourselves we're doing the right things uh if we don't have somebody who we are talking to on a regular basis about about what's going on similarly right i'm this reminds me of St. Nikolai Valerimovich once was talking about despondency, despair. And people yeah. were asking, well, how do I know if I'm experiencing despondency or despair or if I'm just like that tired, I'm just that exhausted when I mm. go to pray? And St. Nikolai advised, he said, start your prayers, you know, begin to pray and pray for five minutes. And he, he basically said, if it's despondency, it'll probably leave. Hmm. And, and, and you'll begin to experience the joy of prayer. You know, you'll be, you'll be able to pray. But mm -hmm. if after five minutes of sincerely praying, you just still feel really exhausted, and you probably are just really tired, mm. and you, you probably need to rest. Um, oh, you know, that's so... Very, that's, very, that's very nice. I love, I love how peaceful and how... Uh, just human the advice of, of these great saints is yeah. sometimes. Well, our faith is very incarnational. Yeah. Um, God becomes man. 
you know, to sanctify not only, you know, St. Simeon, the new theologian, to not only sanctify us, but all of creation. Yes. To renew all of the world. And he created it. He made it good. And he's redeeming it and restoring it. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and we see that in the saints. Yeah. Another thing that makes them saints. And there's lots of, that you were alluding to earlier, there's lots of different saints. There's martyrs, there's ascetics, there's righteous bishops and, and priests and, and lay people and um, all kinds of saints in the life of the church. Um, right. And these are just the ones recognized. Sure. And, you know, a, a brother priest of mine once said, the saints are the gospel enfleshed. Hmm. You know, That's the gospel great. lived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very nice. So, and of course, we ask the saints for their prayers, intercessions. Yes. And just like we were alluding to earlier with um, uh, the passage in the epistle of St. James. Yes. Um, and so, you know, we seek the intercessions and the prayers of the saints. They're alive in Christ. Um, they continue to pray for us and help us in different ways. Sometimes different people seek different prayers for specific things, but, um, right. but you know, uh, we do seek their intercessions and their prayers, but we also pray for ourselves as well. We remember the story of the man that went to St. Anthony in the desert, and he said, Abba, pray for me. And so I think St. Anthony discerned that the man, you know, wasn't really being faithful himself in prayer mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe even in other ways. And he goes, I'm not going to start praying for you until you start praying for yourself. Um, <laughs> y- you know, and and it's, you know, obviously he was trying to you know, spur the man on to, to prayer and wake yes. him up to action that way. Um, but I think it's important, yeah. like, you know, yes, seek the saints, seek the intercessions and the prayers of the saints, but also pray yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, if, if we even have some people maybe from a, a generation or two ago who might only pray, you know, to Panahitsa, you know, like. There, there, there's kind of a, oh, I can't, you know, I can't pray to, to Christ or to, or to God, certainly not to God the Father, because I'm not worthy. And, and that's, that's a misunderstanding of our faith. Mm-hmm. Um, all of us are, are as, as we say, every divine liturgy are bold to call God Father. Yeah. You without know, without all, condemnation. Yes. We are all given, and I think really when when Christ is giving that teaching, he's, he's giving that to humanity. Mm-hmm. You all can address the God of the universe as father well, and, and, th- and pray in this way. And that's an important thing to, to bring up too, right? Like Christians and the saints, especially as those who are truly living the Christian life, um, are, are in the world for the world. Yes. You know, you are the salt of the earth you know, not necessarily just the earth. And I think sometimes if we have this over dichotomy of, of the saints and everyone else, uh-huh. right. we can, we can look at it that way almost sometimes, but we are, you know, we are in the world for the world. You're called to be a light to the world. You know, you are called right. to be, you're the the salt of the earth. Um, right. that that's what our, our role is as Christians. And so the yep. saints are, are given are you know, our, our, are in the world for the world. They were in the world for the world and they continue to intercede and to pray. Very good. Well, any, any final thoughts on, on saints and sainthood, Father Gregory? Who's your favorite saint? Oh man. That's not really a fair question. (laughs) 
I I love so many saints. Uh, I I think I can answer I, my favorite saints quote. Mm. You you mentioned earlier that that quote from Saint Porphyrius of you know we don't become holy by fighting darkness, just open up, you know a uh, uh, kind of open up a, a place for the light to come in and mm. and so I can I can at least say that I think that is probably my favorite quote from a saint. Mm-hmm. What about you? Uh, yeah, I mean I'm like you. I love so many of the saints. You know. Yeah. I, I do li- do really love the Panagia. Uh, the Virgin Mary and, yeah. and her prayers and her intercessions, mm-hmm. how she's mother of the church mm-hmm. uh, in many ways. Um, and uh, but but you know my patron saint and all the saints. Um, yeah. uh, some of them I know better than others. Yeah. Of some course. of them I don't know at all. Um, uh, but it's it's lovely. You know the church has saints every single day, and uh, it's it's inspiring and, and amazing to learn about them. Yeah. ask them for their prayers and intercessions and absolutely uh, well that was one of the things i was really excited about when i was becoming orthodox was yeah. this communion of saints yeah um the, the great cloud of witnesses that paul talks about kind of taking on flesh well yeah and 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 that we can have a relationship with them in some way yep um a wonderful thing. very exciting uh, for me i remember back then and still is very exciting so yeah all right, so what are we talking about next month? Um, the miracles of Christ is the topic uh, for next month, or I guess mm-hmm. just miracles in general. Um, okay. So if, I guess if people have questions about the miracles of Christ, um, you can email them, call them in. What is the email yeah. again? If you've got questions about miracles or really anything that you'd like us to discuss on future podcasts, when apparently we go weekly, you can email them to churchcoffeepod at gmail.com or you can leave us a voicemail and we'll play it back on the show for you. 317-660-5498. Thanks for listening to Church Coffee Pod. If you enjoyed what you heard, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Make sure to tell your friends that church coffee isn't so bad after all. Bye.